Hey everybody, welcome to the Ascent Church Podcast. We want to come alongside you, so click subscribe to never miss life-changing and encouraging content that we release every single week. Our heart is to tell others about the life-changing truth of the gospel. I want to challenge you, would you share this with one friend who might need some encouragement? And we love it when you spread the word by sharing on social media and letting us know where you're listening from. Enjoy today's message. Come on, somebody. That's it. That's why we're here. We're asking God to move. We're praying. We're asking Him for revival in this city, among these people. We're asking Him to do what God does best. We're asking Him to restore and to heal and to advance His kingdom. Several weeks ago, a friend of mine came to bring the word to you. His name's Pastor TJ. And Pastor TJ, you can give it up for Pastor TJ. He's awesome. He's a buddy of mine. He, he's great. And he shared a message about how Jesus helps us bear our burdens and how he can carry our burdens for us. And that's a powerful message. And I was in the back of the room and I was both encouraged and a little surprised, but also encouraged and inspired that at one point in the message, he said, does anyone have a burden? Because I'd love to pray for you. And I saw hundreds of hands up, hundreds of hands went up throughout the course of the day. I'm going to come along this theme today because a lot of us, we look like we got it all together. But we're carrying a burden. We're carrying a weight. This is Matthew 6, 25. Jesus Christ said this. He said, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? He said, look, look, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or even store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them are you not much more valuable than they he asked them this and I want to ask this to you can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life would you pray with me Father God the answer is a resounding no but we do it anyway do we get anywhere by worrying no Does it give us more control? No, it stresses us out. It stresses us out. It causes us to be sick. Father, we repent for thinking we're in charge, for thinking we're in control of our life. Father, we lay it all at your feet. We ask you to be glorified here and today in us and through us. We're here for you and your renown. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Go ahead and get cozy. Go ahead and have a seat. I got to ask you, who's excited to be alive? Who's amped to be at church today? Anybody? Let me hear you. You look good. You're here. You're here. We're so honored that you're with us today. My name's Thomas Lane. Most of you call me T Lane or Pastor T. And welcome to Ascent Church. We hope you have a blast today. I hope you come back and bring some family and friends with you. We're a church for everyone. And we want to come alongside you, whatever you're going through in life. Y'all, if you are new around here, make sure you connect with us on social media. It's the best way to stay um, up to date with things. We got a new series we're starting next week. You're going to want to be here. We got so many events and updates coming at you, so make sure you connect with us. And uh, you can find us right here on Instagram. Find us at Ascent Church VA. You can connect with me there as well at Pastor.Tlane, T-L-A-N-E. But my name is Thomas Lane. I am the lead pastor here, and it's a privilege that you're joining us. I want to give it up for everyone who's new in the house and online, especially our military and first responders. Can you give it up for them? We love them. Come on, like you mean it, somebody. That's it. Thank you. 
We got some friends watching online who are deployed. So I always like y'all to get a little rowdy and show them some love. So thank you in advance for doing that. Matthew 6, 25. Jesus says this. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. And some of y'all in this house right now are looking at me or you're looking at Jesus and you're saying, easy for you to say. It's easy for someone to just come up and say, just stop worrying. Just relax. Just chill. And if you want to get in a fight with your spouse the next time they're upset, say, just relax. Just cool it. If you're at work, a co-worker's mad, if you're a boss and someone's upset, you want to get them real mad and they're stressed, be like, just forget about it. Just calm down. Don't worry about it. Is that what Jesus is doing? The answer is no. If you look carefully there, he didn't say, I tell you, do not worry. He said, therefore, somebody say, therefore. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Meaning, in conclusion, do not worry. He's not coming out of the thin air and just saying, don't worry, forget about it. He just preached a sermon. And at the end of it is this verse. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. So we got to look back and see what he just said, which is going to give us the key to not worry. The key to not taking matters into our own hands. Here is the key to not worry about your life. It's Matthew 6, 19 through 24. And this is not what you are going to expect. But my prayer is that it cuts you deep and that it challenges you today. Matthew 6, 19 through 24. Jesus said, do not... Store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. One more time. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Also, now sometimes I preach a sermon and I can see it in your face. I get you riled up. I get you fired up. And you want to leave and just fight somebody. Like I can see it. You just want to go to the gym without pre-workout. You're fired up. You're ready to go. This might do that. But my prayer for today is that this will bring freedom. And I preached a sermon at the nine. And for like 10, there was a 10 minute chunk. They looked at me like this. It was quiet. I've been to funerals that are more rowdy. And I told them that, and they still just stared at me. Okay? So if you're looking to like get charged up, I got plenty of those. This might do that. It might do that. But my prayer is that it brings freedom. My focus is I'm going to break down Jesus' words and ask you, what are you focused on? Are you focused on building something that is temporary, or are you focused on building something that is eternal? And Jesus deliberately uses these words, and he, he talks about we're moth and vermin. Some translations say moth and rust. Basically, he's saying, are you spending your life build something, building something that something as small as rust, something as small as a little rat could destroy? If God gives you 80, 90 years, are you going to spend 80, 90 years building something that at the end of the day is going to be reduced to rubble? Are you? Now, when you heard this, you, you, you thought a few things just because I can't summarize the whole Bible, yes, Jesus is saying you should save money. Yes, Jesus is saying you can have nice things. Yes, Jesus is saying it's good to plan and invest. But the question is, where is your heart? Where does your heart lie? It's a place that gives us a lot of anxiety. Sometimes we think the more money I have, the more stuff I had, my anxiety is going to go down. But sometimes the opposite is true. The more we invest here and now, our anxiety can increase. 
That verse 21 is key. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The commentators tell us this. Jesus is not speaking of passing emotions when he says your heart, but of that on which the life centers. What your life centers on determines your mood. This is why Dallas Cowboy fans are always so grumpy (laughs) and mad all the time. Because what you say, this is most important to me, it affects everything. It affects everything. William Temple once said this, which I think is amazing. He said, religion is what you do with your solitude. And I want to ask you, what does your life center on? And if you're asking, I don't know what my life is centered on. I go to work, I go to church, I got family, I, I got some hobbies. I don't know what my life centers on. William Temple would say, where your mind drifts when there's nothing else going on, that is your true God. That is a thing competing with God for the center spot in your life and your heart. If you're not sure what yours is, have some quiet, have some alone, and see where your mind starts to drift. Now, nowadays, we don't have much time where it's quiet. A lot of you are listening right now at the gym to, on, on a podcast. You're, you're on a commute, and you're listening to this. And we, we scroll on social media. We, we, we surf the web. We, we're, we're always filling our time with stuff. But back in the day, and I'm going to sound real old for a second, when I went to college, I went to school in this little mountain town, this little mountain town, and to get around, you know what I did? I rode the bus. Anybody else ride the bus at some point in their lives? It was just me, I guess. And sometimes you would be early. So you know what you would do? You'd sit on the bench and you would wait. Man, I felt like Forrest Gump out there. And this is going to, y'all are going to call me a dinosaur. This is before smartphones. Okay, because now it's like, whatever, waiting for a flight in traffic. You just look, look at your phone. We didn't have them. You know what I would do? I would read the newspaper. They would have them in sacks. You'd pick one. And you know what I would do to pass the time? Crossword puzzle. It's old school. But you sit on the bus and you just kind of drift. You just think about stuff. Nowadays, the closest equivalent I could get, you ever leave home for the gym or for work and leave your phone at home on accident? That junk is the worst. I'd rather forget my pre-workout than my phone. It's a bad feeling. This is even worse. Even worse. You ever thought, you ever bring your phone, but it's not charged? You ever thought it was charging all night because it's plugged in, but it was plugged in, but like the, the connection wasn't right? And like you pick up your phone expecting 100 and it's like 4%. It's a bad feeling. You're like, what am I supposed to do all day? Think? It's, it's terrible. Terrible. When you're in those situations, which are rare, I will give you that. Where does your mind drift? Does it drift to that that perfect home you saw on HGTV? if, If I just had that. Man, I hate being single. If I just had that perfect relationship. Man, I, my car is trash. If I just had that car. What is that thing that fills in the blank? If I just had that, everything would finally click. I'd be safe. It's not just the thing that may be where you're finding your safety. Jesus continues, the eye is the lamp of the body. Sounds like he's changing subjects. He's not. Hold on, hold on, hold on. He said, if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? He's talking about your vision for life. 
He's talking about the eye, it's small, but if your eye is good, if you can see, if it lets light in, it's guiding every part of my body. But if my eye is bad, if my eye is sick, or if my eye is closed, it affects everything. And the same is our view on money. Some of you have a job you hate. You hate, and it affects everything. Because you traded your passion and your calling for safety. Some of us in this room, we can't say no. Every opportunity, every overtime, every little business ordeal, we have to take it because we have to feel safe. It makes us feel safe. And it affects everything. Jesus continues, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, let me slow down. Jesus is not saying money's bad. You can do a lot of great things things with money. Have you ever ridden on a jet ski? Come on, man. That took money. Jesus ain't mad at jet skis. He ain't mad at them. But what he's saying is, where are you trusting your life? Where are you, where are you looking to for worth and value and safety? Pastor Tim Keller, I quote him all the time. He was a pastor in Manhattan for a long, long time. He passed away recently. But he told the story that I wanted to share with you. He was invited to speak at this men's breakfast. It was a men's group. And once a month they did a breakfast and he was the speaker. And they asked him to speak on the seven deadly sins. Somebody say, ooh, I know, it sounds scary. And he came and he spoke and he talked about pride and lust and greed and all this stuff. And his wife said, hey, do people know the topic beforehand? He said, yes. She said, watch the day you speak on greed will be the lowest attended. He said, okay, we'll see. And so they did the one on pride. It was packed. They did the one on lust. It was packed out. It looked like our parking lot out there. <laughs> he did the one on greed, and he's curious. It was greed week, and there were not that many folks there. And he went home with his wife, and they chatted about it. They said, why? why? This, is, this is interesting. Why is this? And what their conclusion was is that nobody feels greedy. I've been doing this a long time. And I've had people come to me and say, Pastor T, I'm having an affair. Pastor T, I'm depressed. Pastor T, I'm anxious. Pastor T, I'm worried about this. Pastor T, I'm addicted to porn. Pastor T, I'm doing this. I've never had one person come to me, not one, and say, you know what? I'm a little materialistic. <laughs> and we laugh. It's funny. It's like, who would say that? It's a, something we have to watch out for. When Jesus talks about greed, he says, watch out. He says, watch out! Because no one thinks it's you. No one thinks it's them. If you have an average income, you look around and you know people who have more money than you do. You see them in stoplights, you see them on social media, and you're like, I'm not, I'm not greedy, I'm just trying to make it. They got a ton more money than me. And then maybe you rise through the ranks and you say, if I'm finally the boss, then I'll have enough money. And you can be CEO, CFO, COO, CO, CBD. I don't know what your title is. <laughs> See something. And you say, I finally make it. And even when you're there, you know what? You still know people who have more money than you. You got a house in Miami, they got two. You know people at other companies, maybe in your company, maybe other companies, you're like, I'm doing good, but that, I'm not there. I'm not where they're at. So no matter where you are in life, whether you're average or you're at the top, you always know someone who has more money. And then we, no one feels greedy. No one does. No one feels materialistic. We're just trying to make it. 
That verse, that word, he, Jesus says you cannot serve both God and money. He's, he, he's given us contrast, right? He, he's basically like, in this whole passage, he's like, are you storing up treasures on earth or in heaven? Is your eye good or bad? Right? Like, he, are, are, you, are you serving God or money? And we don't like that. We don't like that. We don't like that. We're like, can I just be in the middle? Just be average. Just in the middle. I love God, but like, yeah, I struggle with this. Like, Jesus is being pretty harsh here. It's either one or the other. Either first or last. Like Ricky Bobby said, if you ain't first, you're last. What's Jesus doing here? Look, look, that phrase is fascinating. He says, you cannot serve both God and money. That word money in your Bible, if you're reading it, it may say a different word. It may say mammon. That word, mamona, is Greek. Mammon, or money, is an Aramaic word. And the commentators tell us this. This is fascinating. It probably, quote, comes from a root meaning that in which one trusts. So I'm going to insert that meaning into Jesus's words and see if that gives us a different, a different definition. Uh, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money, the thing that you're really trusting in. It cuts you deep. It makes you look in the mirror and say, is money just money for us? Or is money what my life is all about? Chasing money. Chasing joy. I think the most heartbreaking thing is if you spend your life chasing something and two things happen. Either you never catch it and you die miserable or you finally catch it and you realize it was lying to you all these years. There's two groups of people here. Some of you made it. You're like, it ain't doing it. It ain't fulfilling me. Some of you will spend your lives chasing it. Let's look at Jesus' words and trust him. I, I want to ask you, what, what do you trust in? Now, one more time, because p- people get weird about money. Y'all would rather me talk about sex. You'd rather me talk about politics. You're like, don't talk about money. I don't want to talk about it. Once again, it's biblical to enjoy life. It's, it's, it's biblical to have money. It's biblical to, to save money. It's biblical to invest. It's not a bad thing. It's a problem when you put your life in it. It isn't a sin to have money. It's a sin for money to have you. To have you. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to say. Don't let it have you. Don't let it have your heart. Don't let it guide your life. Don't let it be the only thing that you fight for and care about. Elizabeth Elliot said this. She said, worry is the antithesis of trust. You simply cannot do both. They are mutually exclusive, and I couldn't agree more. So you may be asking how. You're like, got it? How, how do I do this? This sounds hard. It is hard. Ramsey, Dave Ramsey said this on his website, Ramsey Solutions. He says, giving is the antidote for selfishness, he says. It's the hallmark character quality of those who win with money. One of generosity's biggest payoffs is something you may not expect, contentment. Being generous makes you content. Being content makes you generous. It's the key to it all. I've got some friends who see from time to time, and um, we don't have that much in common, though, but we like each other. We like each other. I love to lift. We're my people who love to lift. Going to the gym, hanging out. Oh, I love getting a pump. Right? And I, my friends who I'm hanging out with this certain time is months ago, they don't lift. And I'm not mad at them, but they don't even lift. And every part of me wants to say, do you even lift, bro? But they don't lift, and I'm not mad about it. And they're trying to be good friends and ask me about my gym life. But I can tell they don't know what to ask. 
And so they're like, what are your goals in the gym? I'm like, goals? I want to be a monster. I want to be massive. I want to not be able to fit through doors. I want to be able to get to a door and turn sideways to go through it, dog. We got double doors in here just for me to see as I'm preaching my goal. I want double doors everywhere, dog, in my office. They they asked me, what's my goal? And my goal, be huge? I don't know. And then they asked me one that really stumped me. They said, well, how big do you want to get? I said, how big do I want to get? Ask any man in the gym, how big do you want to get? They have no idea. But you know what they want to do? They want to be bigger. The answer is bigger than I am now. Huger than I am now. That's my answer. The reality is, y'all, it's never enough. I guarantee you, people training for the Olympia right now, Mr. Olympia, I guarantee you, you ask them, they would be able to point out something that's too small. This shoulder's too small. This quad ain't right. It's crazy to me. It's never enough. When it comes to fitness, the reality is, I'll be honest, it's never enough. When it comes to money, I think it's the same thing for our heart. It's never enough. If I were to ask you, really, how much money would it take to stop worrying? How many houses? How much this? I think we would give a number, but I think when we got there, we'd say just a little more. Just a little more. Yahoo Finance said this. This is fascinating because this is not a Christian source. I'm not trying to. It's, it's a secular source. So, like, I love when Scripture lines up with a secular news article. It says, the average American feels they need to rake in $233,000 annually to live in financial comfort. Not to feel rich but to feel like they're comfortable, which, quote, is 310% more than the 2021 paycheck for the average full-time worker. The world is full of people who say, I need three times what I make right now, then I'll be comfy. But I would wager if and when they ever got there and you said, is it enough? They say, I just need a little bit more. It's a little bit more. The economy's crazy. It's a little bit more. There's inflation, just a little bit more. I believe it's never enough. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to follow Dave Ramsey's advice. We're going to learn to be generous. Proverbs 3, 9 says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. We're going to break it down three points. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. First, we're going to look at honor. And I want you to know our motivation is God. If you're sitting here right now and you're starting to sweat and you're like, oh, no, I've never given to my church. I haven't given to the poor in a while. I haven't done this or that. God's going to get me. I'm scared. I better go home and give something quick. Stop it. If your motivation is fear or shame or guilt, that is not of the Lord. If that's what you're feeling, stop it. Our motivation has to be God. Our motivation has to be God has blessed me. I'm going to bless others. God has done something in my life, and I'm in a prime, unique position to be able to bless someone else. This is an opportunity. That must be our motivation. Do not give. Do not be generous out of fear or shame or guilt. Also, don't be generous because you think you're going to get something in return. Because I've been to some churches. They say, claim your harvest. They say, give now, and you'll get a lot later. And some of y'all are like, you're saying if I give $1,000, I'll have a man by next month? Okay. That ain't bad. 
Some of y'all are like, if I give a grand, I'll get 10 grand in a month. Okay, this is good math. If you are being generous just to get back, you are not honoring God. You're using God as a means to an end to get the thing your soul is really after, and that's just more stuff. Give because God's blessed you. Give because when someone gets baptized up here, it brings a tear to your eye. Give because God saved you when you were a teenager, and you want to do that for someone else. Give because you love our military. And you love that people come here from all over the world, all over the country, and we get to give them a home and support and love and mental health support. Day one, honor God. Don't do this out of guilt or shame or fear. Don't do that. Don't do that. And I'm going to get to this, but I just need to say this now. We should be generous, but I don't care where you give. If there's a church down the street, give there. If God's put this thing on your heart, give there. Someone in the lobby asked me, they said, well, what can I give here? Give where God tells you to give. Be a generous person. Be a generous person. Honor the Lord. Proverbs eleven twenty five. it says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. There's a lot of verses like this that when we're generous, we get something back. And you will, but it's dangerous to think prosperity gospel terms. It's dangerous to think, oh, I'm going to give to get a lot back. Don't do that. When you give, you might get blessing back. You might, you might get being a part of something bigger than yourself. You might get the joy and satisfaction. You, you might get an increased faith because you're depending on God more than ever before. You might get, you, you, I know some people who run a business and they are great people. They're generous, they're kind. And when you're generous and kind and love the community, guess what? People want to do business with you. People want to be around you. They want to work for you. They want to be on your team and you get back. But honor God from our generosity. Do it for him. Don't do it just to get something back, but I believe you will. I believe you will. Next up, first fruits. This is the one most people like. It's a joke. (laughs) Christians take steps towards tithing. Tithing means 10%. Scripture says our goal should be to give 10% of it away to God and to others. Now, there's a lot of debate. Did Jesus talk about this or not? In Matthew 23, he says this. It's a conversation he's having with the Pharisees who were good at keeping the rules. Real good. And they were good at keeping the rules, but they missed the point. He's talking about them not missing justice, mercy, and faith. And he says this to them. He says, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things, which are justice, mercy, and faith. Don't give because it's checking the box. Don't give because now God's in your debt and has to bless you. Don't give because, oh, it makes me, it does this and that, or I'm just following the rules. Give because we're focused on justice. What does that mean? We want to change this world because people are hurting. We give because... Of mercy. God has shown mercy to us. We get to show mercy to others. We give because of faith. If you start giving, if you've never given, it's going to increase your faith. Because <laughs> sometimes you write a check, it's scary, man. It gives you the heebie-jeebies. It's scary, and you're going to lean on him more than ever before. Justice and mercy and faith. The point that I want to make is that Christians give sacrificially. He's not an afterthought. It's not, I got the house I want, the car I want, the vacations I want. Okay, here's, here's a tip to God. No. We give first. We give out of our first fruits. We give sacrificially. Our culture today is in a weird place with giving tips. Someone said, ooh, did I strike a nerve? That's what you're going to get upset about? Fine. And people ask me, and I'm like, I don't know the answer. Because, like, my friend was at Wawa the other day, and it was an automatic, it was a robot. 
There's a robot. He's like doing the self-checkout. He got a drink. And the robot asked for a tip. And he's like, I just got a drink. Do I tip the robot? The robot's like, I got kids at home. And he felt guilty. He's like, do I do it? Do I not? I'm like, that's crazy. The thing that's worse for me, I'll get a coffee or tea somewhere. And they'll flip the screen around. They're like, do you want to leave a tip? Pastor T? I'm like, oh, yeah, yes. And I'll get like a $2 drink. And it's like, do you want to tip seven, eight, or nine dollars? I'm like, what? Who sent these numbers? I don't know the answer. I don't know. You can ask me in the lobby. I'm going to say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how much you should tip, but I don't know how much you should give to church. I don't know how much you should give to the poor, but I do know we should give sacrificially. And some of you are just starting out. It's a big deal to go to church for you once a month. It's a big step because you ain't gone your whole life. But in five years, you're still going once a month. We should increase those numbers. For some of you, giving $100 is a huge life-altering deal. And I celebrate when we take steps. But if that's all you've done five, ten years from now, we need, to, we need to look in the mirror. We need to look in the mirror. We need to figure this out, man. I just know it's not a tip. Diognetus was a guy in the second century. We found in one of his letters. He was not a Christian. Not a Christian. But he was investigating Christianity from the outside. He was watching the Christians. And this is the fastest time the church had ever grown. And he was watching the Christians from the outside. And he saw some strange things. He said, these people are crazy. These people are different. And he said, so, they're so different, he called them the third race. Greeks, pagans, Jews, he said the Christians. They're so different, they just bust out of all categories. And they're taken over, man. Everyone wants to be on their team. Here's, here's what he said about them. Here's some excerpts of a letter we found. This is not a Christian guy. He's watching from the outside. He said this. They share in all things with others. They have a common table but not a common bed. Meaning the pagan world, it's actually kind of funny, the pagan world, they said, we'll sleep with anybody and everybody. Christians say, we're not going to do that. But pagans sexually just do whatever they wanted, but, but, they're very stingy with their money. He said, Christians are the opposite. They have sex with mar- within marriage only, but, but they're generous. Common table, man. You're hungry, come to my house. Come sit with me. Come stay with us. You need a jacket. I got extra. You got some needs. I will take care of you, man. This guy saw this from the outside. That's fascinating. He said, they are in the flesh, but they do not live after the flesh. And I love this last part. They pass their days on earth, but are citizens of heaven. I couldn't think of a better application of Jesus' teaching. And I love that this group heard his words and said, here's how we're going to live it out. They're living on earth. And what does that mean for you? You got a house, you got a car, you go on vacation. You're not, you're not miserable. You can enjoy your things. But you know in your heart, this is not eternal. My home is in heaven. So it's okay for me to be generous. It's okay for me to not invest everything in this kingdom. I'm going to invest some in the eternal kingdom. It's a powerful thing. And the fact that an outsider noticed this and celebrated it... That's why they were changing the world. Listen to me. Generosity changes the world. Generosity makes money just money. It removes the shackles that it has in your life. Honor, first fruits. Next, we're going to do all. All. Christians give consistently. Not when there's a giving sermon. 
Um, maybe Echo has your heart. Echo is about orphan care, foster care, and adoption. Maybe you say, I'm going to give monthly to them. You should do that. Maybe there's a church back home. They, you, they change your life and they need some help right now. Give there. Okay? Maybe it's Compassion International. That's what we give to. We, we love them too. They're great. And your church partners with a lot of local great organizations, whatever the case is. But we give consistently. Maybe this place has your heart. And you know the church is full. You really know the parking lot's full. Right? And you know that we're looking to move. We're looking to expand or add places. We're just looking. We're looking for churches who want to partner up or give us their building. I'm praying it, baby. I am. You know I am. We're looking for larger spaces to lease. We're just, we're just looking. We're seeing what's out there. If that has your heart, if you want military families to have a home, if you want mental health to be helped and addressed right here, if you want this next generation rising up to be leaders, if you want to make disciples right here who make disciples, if you're passionate about this place and what God's doing here and what God wants to do, then give here. But if you're not, then don't. Then don't. Give somewhere else. But I know the world will greatly benefit if we're all more generous. I know that for a fact. I know that for certain. My team and I teased it last week. We were going to check out a building, a new space. Um, here's some photos. I'm going to tease them. And everyone's like, where is it? I ain't telling you. Here's a space that we checked out. Big open space. Good location. Three times the size of where you're sitting now. Big parking lot. Because Lord knows half of y'all are parked illegally. You know. Y'all are like, Jesus, help me today. Not get towed away, Lord. Some of y'all got some big old trucks. Y'all get creative. I like it. Y'all are making spots, climbing over stuff. I love it. I respect it. I respect it. I really love it. I'm not sure where God's leading us. I'm not sure. Maybe it is this. We're talking. We're figuring it out. And if you want to partner with us, it's simple. Go to ascentchurch.net. Pray about it. Don't just do it. Don't just do it. Pray. Click give to set up a monthly donation. When you do a monthly donation, that allows us to say, hey, can we hire this staff? Can we send this many students to camp? Can, can, we, can we commit to this lease? Because when you lease a space, they look at this. They say, how many families are given? What are they given? They, they look at that. That matters. If God's working in your heart here, give here. If he's not, please give somewhere else. Jesus does not want your money. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. I want you to know that this is not something that comes easy for me. Being generous is not my spiritual gift. I do it, but it's, it's hard, and, and it's, it's not been easy for me. I'm not going to stand up here and pretend this is the easiest thing for me. It's hard for you, easy. No, it's hard. And I know it's hard for all of us because I have kids. Sometimes I'm at like a Christian function or a thing and I'll meet another pastor or a Christian person and they're like, my kids, they're such little angels. I'll say, mine aren't. (laughs) They love each other, but man, they fight like cats and dogs, man. And you know the number one thing they fight over? When one grabs something, the other one says, it's mine. Taking turns, sharing grabbing something and saying, it's mine. We have to learn to be generous. Kids, adults, all of us. 
And I love when Paul talks to the Corinthians about being generous. I love what he says. And I love what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, you know the rules, be generous. He doesn't say, be generous or, or God's going to get you. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say it's a heaven thing. No, he doesn't say that. This is what he says, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. To a group of people struggling with their generosity, struggling with saying it's mine. He said this. He said, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that you, through his poverty, might become rich. He's not talking about earthly rich. He's saying rich eternally. He's saying look to the gospel. That we are more sinful and flawed than we'd ever believe. But at the exact same time, we're more loved and accepted in him than we could ever dare hope. Paul's saying the only reason you're here, the only reason you're saved, the only reason you have hope is because Jesus left riches in heaven. He left it all. He came here. He didn't give 10% of it away. He didn't give a little bit away. He gave it all away. He died with no possessions. He died completely, completely naked. In order to make you rich. In order to give you a name and an inheritance and a hope and a future. Let that melt your heart. Let that make us a generous people people who've experienced love and want to extend that to this city and beyond. Friends, it's not a sand to have money. It's a sand for money to have you. Be free. Release it. Trust in Him and Him alone. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you. We trust too much in what this world has to offer. We find our hope. We find our joy in the here and now. God, I thank you that it's not a sin to have money. It's a sin for money to have us in our hearts. Help us find that balance where we can not feel guilty, where we can enjoy life, we can have fun, we can, we can live life, we can eat food and drink and have a good time. Yeah, but, but live for others, live for your kingdom. May we understand that we're just passing through. Help us understand that we are citizens of heaven and may we live accordingly. May our hope be set accordingly. May we spend our money accordingly. We thank you for what you're doing here in Virginia Beach. We know the future is in your hands. Forgive us. Forgive me when I doubt you. You've been so faithful to us so far. I know that you're never going to leave us or forsake us. We thank you for the future, whatever it holds. If it's another campus, if it's another church, if it's a larger building, whatever it is, God, open the doors. May we have the faith to walk through. Not for our comfort, but for your glory. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's message. Be sure to check out past messages that will be sure to encourage and challenge you. Let's partner together to reach as many people as possible with the life-changing truth of the gospel. Would you help others find this podcast by rating it and leaving a review? And if you're local, we would love to meet you. Check out our service times online. Thanks for subscribing, sharing with a friend, and we will see you soon.